The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Exodus 23. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days." I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. This is the word of the Lord. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let me introduce myself. My name is Miguel Warren, and I have the privilege in honor of serving here on staff at Park Church as the director of community. And so if you would, I will pray for you, and if you can, pray for me, and we will sit at the feet of Jesus in his word and hear what he has to say to us today. Does that sound good? Okay, all right. So let me tell you a little bit about me. All right. Come, talk talk to your boy. Talk to me. Talk to me. It's all right. Listen, it's all right. Ain't nobody going to escort you. This ain't graduation. You can talk. We can speak. All right. God's words living and active, you know. Anyways, um, but no, in all seriousness, let's just go before the Lord and let's pray. 
And uh, before I pray, just, let's just slow down. Let's just remember that we're praying to a God that, one, Israel, you're, you're, it's not just going into the air and hoping that someone can catch it, but um, he desires to hear from his children. Um, so let's acknowledge and slow down that he is here and present. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are patient, you are loving, you are kind. Um, and thank you that you love us in spite of. Thank you for your faithfulness even when we're not faithful, God. I pray that <clears throat> as we uh, sit uh, under your voice, under your word, Father, I pray that you move into our hearts. God, I pray that we would not have the cares and the, and the worries that we brung into this place, Father, to, to, to block our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say, God. God, because we're so easily prone to drift off, I pray that you tend to our hearts, that you keep us, Lord, even in this moment, even when we want to drift and think about what's next. Help us to be present right now, God. Pour out your spirit in a mighty way, Lord, because we need it. I need it, Father. God, I pray that your word will encourage some, that it would rebuke some, that it would ignite a fire into some. God, and I pray that it will save the soul that needs to be saved today, God. God, I pray that we are tentative because your word is living and active, God. It's not dormant and it speaks life, God. You can breathe life into where places are dry and we're asking you right now to do that. So God, as I stand behind the cross, Father, I pray that they do not see me, Lord, but they see you, Father. And that, that, I, that, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength, my rock, and my redeemer. And collectively, we all together said, amen. <clears throat> I remember growing up, my mother and my father, they would say, right before they dropped me off, <clears throat> now, when you go in here, don't you act up now. And then I'm like, oh, I got you. I hear you. And they go, no, 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 hear me. I don't care what they do, but what you're not going to do is go in there and act a fool. And what she was getting at is that she was saying, hey, regardless of what takes place in there, hey, let's remember something. You belong to me. And not only do you belong to me, which means that you represent me. You represent this family. So if you go in there and you like to show your tail or you want to do what they do, no, uh, understand, it's a reflection not just on you but on our family. And the truth of the matter is the same applies to us today for those who believe in Jesus Christ. God has, when you, if you place your hope and uh, faith in who Jesus Christ is, he has taken you from the dominion of darkness and placed you into his marvelous kingdom. And therefore now has adopted you as sons and daughters, and now you bear his name. And so the life that you live, wherever the two feet that you take every day by day, you are to represent him. And you are to live in such a way that honors him, regardless of what the world is doing. 
And that's where we come into Exodus today and and what we've been here. God is setting this parameter saying, hey, look here, you you, you, you are holy because I am holy. Hey, I'm reconstructing how you ought to live. You are not to live and look like the world. And so that's what we're going to see today. God instructing his people on holiness. But let me, we got to set some, we got to set some, a uh, few things before we get to the text here on understanding this holiness. So when it comes to holiness, understand this, this um, it, it look, there's certain places how this works. When God saves you, you are now positionally sanctified. Sanctified means holy, set apart. So positionally, he has now taken you from the darkness of this world and put him in, and put you into his kingdom. So positionally, now you are set apart. But then there's also what we call progressive sanctification, right? So now that you have been set apart, now you have to live in such a way that you are set apart. And we all feel that because many of us have got saved and we realize, man, I'm still struggling with what I was dealing with before I got saved. I'm a little bit better, but it still kind of comes up in me sometimes. And so there's a progressive sanctification, meaning that we are to grow as believers to seek to become Christ, uh, to become like Christ on this earth. And then you have um, what we will call the, the ultimate sanctification, if I could say, in, in, in its entirety, meaning that we will not be fully holy uh, in the way that God has intended us to be until we stand before him in glory. Okay? And so it's important to understand that. And so n- now that God has, uh, uh, God has took his people, the Israelites, and he has delivered them from bondage from Egypt, and now he's taking them to the promised land. But what takes place in this text now is that they're in the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai here. They have not yet reached the promised land. So what that lets us know is that the salvation is not complete yet. And the same thing goes for us today. God has saved us. He has took each and every one of us from our Egypt, from the dominion of darkness, and he is taking us to a better promised land. He's taking us to a new heaven and a new earth, and we're not there yet. And so that lets us know our salvation isn't complete, and there is still work to be done. And see, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11 tells us that Exodus was written, it, it, it happened for our example. It was written down for our instructions. So understand this. I know we, we're under grace and we're saying, hey, I'm not under the law. But understand, this word right now in Exodus was written for the edification of the church today. So it still has meaning and value. And so, if I could... Just in one sentence, what what I want us to understand here today is that God rescued and redeemed us, believers, to live a holy life that would bring glory and honor to him. Let me say that again. God has rescued and redeemed us to live a holy life that will bring glory and honor to him. And let me say this. This is not a text about legalism. This is not about, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you will achieve holiness. This is not what it's about. 
What this is saying is that because God is holy, because God resides in you, because the Holy Spirit is in you, you ought to live holy because that is the standard of God and he has called you to live holy. But also, I want to say this, God has uniquely made each and every person in this room. So don't hear me say that you can't be who God uh, uh, has created you to be in the sense of your uniqueness. Holiness does not suppress the uniqueness of how God has made you. But what it is do is that you ought to live holy in your uniqueness. And so let me talk about, before we get to the text, there's a few things that we have to, again, set the ground for. Let's talk about what is holy and why does it matter? Okay, so here it is. Holiness in itself comes from God, right? We talked about um, in the summer, if he was here, Psalms 99, we talked about the holiness of God. And I think the Lord is trying to say something because I preached that on the holiness of God. Now we're talking about holiness. I get it, God. There's something going on in my life I need to get. <laughs> when things repeat, you need to start paying attention. All right, anyways. It's just me? Okay. All right. <laughs> so, holiness, what it's saying is, that, okay, so God is holy. All of his attributes are holy because he is holy. He is the essence of it. He is distinct. His love is holy. He is holy love, holy grace, holy mercy, holy justice. Everything flows from who he is because he is unique and distinct in itself. There is no other like him. But then also holiness in the, simplest, in the simplest way is that it's to be set apart. It's to be distinct. To not be like other. And that's what God is saying here. And that's why it matters. And it matters because, get this, one, God wants us to be holy because he calls us to be holy. Here's what he says, Leviticus 19.2 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, uh, uh, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Leviticus, Le Leviticus 20, 26, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the people's that you shall be mine. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, and, uh, and go out in the mist, and go out from their mist, and be separated from them, says the Lord. We just read it on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Hey, here it is, holy nation, a people for his own possession, for God's possession, not the world, that you may proclaim his excellence, not your excellence, his excellence, who calls you out of darkness, praise God for that, uh, into his marvelous light. And I love this here in verse 10, the first part of A. It says, you were once not, you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. If you profess that Jesus Christ is Lord today, understand this, you belong to him and you ought to live holy because he is holy. And understand this here, when we talk about this idea of holiness, if we're honest, there's some misconceptions that come with it, right? A few misconceptions when it comes to, to, to holiness. Here's some, here's some misconceptions. One, holiness is not having a lot of knowledge. It, ain't, it don't matter how much knowledge you have. 
It's not about a great profession. It's not, it's not about doing many things. It's not having a zeal for, uh, 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 for, for the church or, or the religious matters. It's not, it's not about the morality or the outward responsibility. I mean, the young, young rich ruler had that, right? It's not about like the company you keep. So, oh, I got good company, so I'm, I'm holy there and, and because of the people I hang out with. No, that's not what it is. And it's this statement that we always say that you hear people say, hey, I'm a good person. I'm good. Right? Here's something that's here. We're, we're morally good. Understand, holiness, there is a moral purity that comes with it. But understand this here. Here's why that statement, I am a good person, doesn't matter. Whether you are a believer or not, understand this. Human beings are created in the image of God. So therefore, that, therefore, all people have a moral in them because morality comes from our God, not from this world. So that's why you can have people who aren't saved, they can still care for people or they can make a, a, a good moral judgment. It is because human beings in itself are created in the image of God. And plus the Bible even says, on your best day is like filthy rags. And then it also says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. So to say that we're a good person, that's a misunderstanding of holiness. And understand, it's not about how much Bible you read. It's not about how much you attend church. It's not about you're serving in all these services. It's not that you're living in a gospel community, although you need to be in a gospel community. Plug, if you ain't in there, make sure you get in there. Okay. But it's not, about, it's not about those things. Understand, but hear me though. Hear me, hear me when I say this. We ought to read our Bible. We ought to pray. We ought to live in communion. We ought to do those things, but we ought not to do them to, to, to obtain holiness. Those are the outpouring and the functions of what we are to pursue because we are holy and to help us to sustain and be holy until Christ comes again. So that's the misconception of holiness. So here's what we say when it comes to holiness. It is a habit of being of one mind with God according to his mind described in the scriptures. We hate what he hates, we love what he loves, and we measure everything in this world by his standards, not by ours or the world's. And so this idea of holiness, again, is that we are striving towards something. Remember, the text is taking place. They're not at the promised land. They left Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're still in this between. And the same thing is for us. We are striving towards holiness because we know that God has already prepared a place for us. He has many rooms there for us. And so as we're striving for holiness, what we're doing is we're turning away from what the world says or how the world lives and how it functions. And that's what we're doing. We're pursuing the Christ-likeness in all areas of our lives. And the beautiful thing about this is that we get to be participants in this. I get it. We're saved by grace. Yes, we are. Praise God for that. But understand, it doesn't mean that I'm saved for grace and now I can just sit here and do nothing. I love what Dallas Willard says here. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It opposes, it opposes earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. So understand here, we are under grace, yes, but grace doesn't oppose effort. Go to your job, and your, your job done told you how you ought to carry out the function of your position and just tell them you under grace and you ain't going to do nothing. Let's see how that works. 
<laughs> what I'm saying is that you can't just sit. You know, God is not allowing us just to be bystanders and do all that. No, he is. And this is a gift. We get to participate in the advancement of his kingdom until he comes, which means every last one of us has value now. And understand here, this God is calling us to live holy. It, 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 it's not a burden. It's not burdensome. What he's saying is that it's actually good. It's a better way of living. So when he's saying, hey, live holy for I'm holy, and he's saying, hey, as we look in the text, you shouldn't do these things, you shouldn't do that. That's not to weigh you down because Jesus says all those who, are, who need rest can come to him. The world is burdensome. But when God calling us to live holy, that's not to, be a, that's not to be a weight around your neck. Is it hard? Yes, because we're sinful. But it's a better way of living. We are to glorify him, not ourselves. And so we talked about those misconceptions of holiness. Now, here's what's interesting. How many of y'all know that there's threats to our holiness? There's three threats to our holiness. We have the internal disposition. We have the fear of man, the compromise. And then we have the satanic schemes. We have Satan's schemes. Understand, our sinful nature does not want to do the things of the, uh, of the Spirit. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it therefore has affected all of mankind. And now in ourselves, in our spirit, there is something naturally that does not want to do what the Spirit wants us to do. You don't believe me? Well, let's look at God's Word. Galatians chapter 5, 17, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the spirit desires are against the flesh. For, those, um, for, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul even talks about it in Romans 7. Man, I'm wrestling. I find the things I don't want to do that I need to be, that I'm doing. And the things that I want to do, I, I, I can't do it. There's, there's this battle that's constantly going on with inside of us. Oh, so I guess I'm the only one that can go praise God, worship God, and then leave here and something rise up in me and I'm ready to just set it off. Oh, you ever do that? Everything can be perfect. Great. And then all of a sudden, something just comes up in you. Somebody say something. And you ready to let them know, I ain't the one. You ready to, you, you, or something stirs in you and it triggers something that you've been struggling with. And you see something and all of a sudden it just rises in you. It's an internal disposition that opposes this holiness. That's a threat to it. And then the, the fear of man, compromise. We see what somebody's done. We see that somebody got made fun of. We see that, hey, hey, mm, I ain't about to do that. No. Nope. So we keep our Christianity on the low and we compromise our faith because we fear man more than we fear God. And the text says, don't fear man. Don't fear the one that can just kill the body. No, but fear the one who can kill the body and put the soul into hell. So we compromise. And then one, as you know, the satanic schemes, very seductive. Everything that is physical, there is a spiritual behind it. People, we are in a spiritual warfare. And we'll see in the text how, how, how that plays out, where we see that at. And it's so seductive. It's not always loud and in your face. It's very subtle, subtle. Hey, did God really say that you can't? Subtle. Satanic schemes. And get this, he's crafty. So don't think we can outsmart him. No, he is crafty. You ever had that time? How did I get into this again? 
Because you done fell for the traps. And we're going to talk about that too. So again, those are some threats that happens to it. But here's the thing. As we get ready to go to our text here, those are threats. Those are misconceptions. But understand this. God calls us to holiness. And when he calls us to holiness, there's no room for compromise. There should be no room for compromise. Where do we see that in the text? If you could, please turn to verse, uh, take your eyes to verse 23. If you haven't, Exodus chapter uh, 23, verse 23. Here's what he says. When the angels go before you and bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Jebusites, he says, and I will blot them out. Then he says in verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars, really smash their pillars in pieces. And he says in verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God. Understand this, what's really interesting about this. Remember I said we were in the spiritual warfare. He's, God is leading them into the land that he promised. But in that land that he promised, there is, uh, um, if, if you will say, spiritual warfare activity. Understand here, here's just like briefly what like the name of Amorites and uh, the Hittites and all the ites. Here's what is the, the gist of what it is. Like the Amorites um, really is ones who rebel, like rebellion. Anybody ever rebel? Oh, so I'm the only one. That's okay. All right. That's cool. Rebellion. Hittite, uh, the Hittites are like fear. The Perizzites are like village dweller. The idea of is to fellowship with the world and in the world. The Canaanites are like merchant traders. The idea is, uh, is that they, they, they trade and live and do the, uh, the, the, the practices and ways of the world. The Hivites are like wickedness, and the Jebusites are uh, condemn or condemnation, condemning of self and, and others. So interesting that what God is doing, he's leading them into this spiritual warfare field, which really these are all works and qualities of the flesh. But he's saying that, hey, when you go in there, don't serve them, don't bow down to them. And we'll talk about it because he's preparing that place for them. But understand, the reason why this was so serious is because that agriculture in that time, they believed that those gods were the source of their life. They believed that, 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 that what they're planting and what the gods that they're serving is bringing them life in itself. And God is saying, hey, no, that's, that's not how we ought to live because you are my people. And we ask ourselves today, what are, the, what are the idols in this culture? What are the cultural idols that we turn to to bring and give us life? I don't know. What is it? Education? If I can just get enough status? If I can just obtain this position? If I can just continue to work so many hours, a platform? And one of the biggest um, one, of the, one of the biggest idols, oh man, is the ideal self. We have an idea of how we ought to look and, and how we ought to act because the truth is we want to be polished and we want people to praise us and, and look at us and, 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 and compliment us. And, we, and, and it's this ideal self that becomes an idol because now we're pursuing that instead of pursuing God, instead of bringing all of our brokenness to him where he can fix our mess. Because the scripture said, while, yet while we were sinners, he died for us. 
So he didn't have us get ourselves together in order for him to use us, which is interesting. But yet we still think that, though. We're prone to that. Man, what are the cultural idols that just need to get rid of, that you need to smash and get rid of in your life? What are they? Draw your eyes to verse 32. Draw your eyes to verse 32. Look what he says in verse 32 and 33. He says, you shall make no covenant. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. You shall not, uh, they should not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their God, it will be a snare to you. Understand here when he's saying don't serve them, don't bow down to them, don't do as they do. Hey, break their pillars, smash them. Here's what he's saying. He's saying do that because if you just remove them or put them out of sight, we are going to be prone to go back to it. Oh, y'all act like y'all don't know. Y'all know everybody's on the diet. Everybody's on this docket. And you know that we put the cupcakes in the back at the top of the refrigerator because we like, look, this is sinful. It's tempting me. Let me go put the cookies and the cupcakes up there because I don't want to reach those. But somehow at 1 o'clock in the morning when the baby wakes you up, you walk down that stairs and you go grab them cupcakes that you should have thrown in the trash to get rid of. Because it tempts you. It's good. It's satisfying to the soul. Yeah. But that's what he's saying. He's like, hey, don't. Hey, smash them. Zero tolerance. Because if we don't get rid of these cultural items, we will run to them. Because it's something about that instant gratification. It's something that appeases us. And again, our nature wants that. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Get rid of them. Smash them, move them out the way. Get rid of them. And then he even says, hey, don't even covet with them. Don't make no type of agreement. All right, you can use this half, I'll use this half of the room. No, get them out of your living room. Whatever it may be, he's saying don't make some type of peace treaty. Don't covenant with them. Because here it gives us, if you covet with them, then you dwell with them. Guess what the text says? You will sin against me. We've all been there before. And then he says, not only will you sin against me, but guess what? When you sin against me, then it becomes a trap. It's a snare. It becomes a stronghold for you. And so that's why this is serious here. What is a snare? A snare is like something that is hidden to trap you, to capture you. And uh, I love it. it essentially, is what Dr. Tony Evans talks about is a stronghold. What is a stronghold? Here's how Dr. Evans defines a stronghold, or we will say a snare. It, a, a sin or circumstance that illegitimately holds a person in spiritual bondage. A negative, destructive pattern of thinking or actions used by Satan to promote a reoccurrence of sin in our lives. Once the snare or once the stronghold is built, it gives our enemy, Satan, a place for which to launch further attacks against our mind. Stronghold snares, they're not always boisterous, they're subtle. And sometimes we fall into them. Here's how we do it. Anybody ever say this thing? I got this under control. Right? Oh, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Right? Or the one that is, I get what we're saying, but really is detrimental is, I deserve. I deserve. 
And when we say I deserve, what we're really saying is that um, we are, we, what we're doing is we are uh, putting ourselves in the position to dictate what we need and how we should uh, get out of life instead of submitting to the will of God in our life. That's why that's very dangerous because seasons get hard, weeks get rough, years are hard, and we say, I deserve. And that's why that's so dangerous. And the truth is, every day, there's Christians every day that experience little snares that lead to compromising, and inevitably, they lead to bigger and bigger sins. And so we smash it. We need to get rid of them all in this entirety. We need to get a, remove any temptations. There's places that we probably shouldn't go. People that we probably shouldn't have as friends or, or, or want to be friends with. Desires that we should not indulge in or entertain. Conversations that we shouldn't even start or even be a part of. Because again, those things are to entrap us and it gets us and we have to. It's that serious. It's that serious. Because all it takes, and we've been there, all it takes is just something just, just to click. And now you look at it and you say, how did I get here? When we don't turn to Jesus, when we don't depend on him, as we're going to see, when we don't do the things that he says, shun the very appearance of evil, we will end up in those snares. And the truth is, some of us in this room are in a snare right now. Or we on the doorsteps of one. But how many people know? that you don't have to stay in that snare, though. We have the, the Lord of God gives us the weapons to tear down the satanic strongholds in our lives. You don't have to do Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It talks about how we have divine power to destroy strongholds. And understand this, although Satan may have power, he does not have authority. Because the moment that you were saved in Jesus Christ, you were there no longer a slave into sin, into who God is, but now you are slaves to righteousness. Therefore, Satan does not own you and has no authority over you. You are now under the authority of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done so you can break the strongholds and don't have to live in them. But I, I, I but he... I can hear you right now, but I'm in one. But let me, let, me, let me say this. How many of you know that God offers greater grace? So as you sit here and you may be wrestling with, understand, wrestling with something, understand God offers greater grace. So you may be feeling shame. You may be feeling like I can't overcome. But understand, he offers greater grace. It says that where sin is, grace may abound all the more. Shall we, shall we continue to sin? May it never be. But understand this, God offers greater grace. He says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. Praise God. I hope I'm not the only one that experienced this. That he will forgive you from all. He will clean you from all unrighteousness. I don't know about y'all, but I done did some mess. And I'm so glad that he gives greater grace. And he breaks the strongholds in our lives. He gives greater grace. 
And understand this, that as he calls us to live holy, and he's saying we ought to live holy, understand we are in this spiritual battle. So understand, many of us, we fall into these plaps and we don't live holy because we forget we're trying to fight for victory instead of fighting from a position of victory. Understand here, we fight from the position of victory because God is the one who has the victory. Look at me if you would. Look at the, you don't believe me? Let's look, at, let's look at the text. Verse 22, look what he says. But if you carefully obey the voice, obey his voice, and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. I will be an adversary to your adversaries. Verse 23. And then at the end of verse 23, he says, after he names all the, uh, the ites and all that stuff, he says, I will blot them out. Then if you draw your eyes to verse 27, here's what he says. In verse 27, he goes, I will send a terror before them, and I will throw them into confusion. I will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. He says, verse 28, he says, I will send, I will send hornets before you, uh, which shall drive them out before you. Victory belongs to Jesus, and because it belongs to him, we are able to live holy and separate how he calls us to be. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than is in the world. We fight from the position of victory because we are overcomers, because he is the one that has overcome all. And notice here in the text that victory belongs to Jesus, but he also says that, hey, I won't deliver them over to you in a year. I'll deliver them little by little. And the problem is some of us, we want it all right now. But understand this. The reason why he said little by little is because the, he, he was preparing a place for them. Canaan, the, the promised land was filled with all this pagan mess, the spiritual warfare. And he says, like, I got to do some work to get this ready for you. But in the meantime, I'll give you victories by victories. One, because you're not ready to embrace all that I have for you yet. And so that's why he does it little by little. Sometimes he does it a lot at one time. He took all their enemies out with the Red Sea. But now they're coming up against something else. Sometimes he'll say, hey, you know what? I need you to walk around this wall a couple of times. Shout a little bit. She's like, what in the world? Can we just get there, please? But what he's doing is that he's preparing it because he's, he's helping us and training us for godliness. He's helping us to depend on him and to trust him because how many of you all know that if you got everything you wrote right now, oh, we'll turn from God in a heartbeat. So he's like, hey, I got to give it to you little by little. But the good news is that it's there for us. And then even, and again, just like he's leading them into this land, Jesus tells them in his John 17, he goes, hey, I, gotta, I, gotta, I, 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 leave, I don't want to take them out the world. I'm going to leave them in the world. But sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them in his word. And here's the beautiful thing about this. When he calls us to be holy, get this, God goes before them. And he protects them. Jesus will guard and lead his people to holiness. Look at verse 20. Look what he says in verse 20. He says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. Verse 21, pay careful attention to, his, to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. I just believe in this text, this is the pre-incarnate Christ right here. Because it says that if you don't listen to his voice, if you don't obey his voice, he will not pardon sins. Well, there's only one that can forgive sins, which is God himself. And Jesus is God, as we know that, fully man, fully God. And here we have the pre-incarnate saying, that guess what? He's saying, look here, 
and my name is in them. He's going to guard you and bring you to the place that he has prepared. So there is no place that you and I go that the God has not already went before you. And not only has he went before you, he's going to be with you as you get there. But what we have to do is we have to follow him. We have to obey his voice. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the way. Not our way. We ought to do what Romans 13, 14 says. We ought to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. God calls us to be obedient. But understand this. We can be obedient because Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's not going to leave you stranded. Then if you don't believe that, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he talks about, hey, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But don't stop there. Verse 13, it says, for it is God. Here it is. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Because you ever had an experience where you don't feel like doing nothing, but it is the Holy Spirit that works inside you that draws you to do God's will. So you are able to live holy because he's with you. He's inside you for those who believe in him. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, 17, I won't read it all, but I love when it says here at the start of it, he says, um, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. And it don't stop there. He says in verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And I love it. He's always with it. He doesn't stop. He has gone before us and he is with us. So when he calls us to holiness, understand we can do that because he resides in us. And I love this here. If you look at verse 20, uh, chapter 20, uh, 24, Moses reads all the covenant with the people. And he reads it all to them. And they said, we will do all that he says. That's a beautiful thing because that means that as we live this life of holiness, we don't have to live it by ourselves. He says, hey, we will all do this here together. We'll all agree to that. And I'm telling you, that is very important because sometimes life gets hard and we need people to get us there, to rebuke us and to get us back on track and to call us to look at his righteousness and point him to the place like, hey, he's called us to live holy. Hey, let's honor him and glorify him with his lives. Understand this, God is with you. And because he's with you, you can live holy because he is holy. So I encourage you, trust him. Obey his voice. Spend time. You got to be on your knees. You got to be praying. You got to be in conversation with fellowship with other believers because we're in a spiritual warfare and the enemy is going to do everything he can to derail you from following and being obedient to God. We have the power to live holy because of he is holy. Let us pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you don't just call us and leave us to be stranded. But yet you call us to be holy because you're holy. And your word tells us that we have a guardian angel. Jesus guides us on the way. And I pray that we trust and hope in your truths, Father. And rest to know that we're able to overcome because you have overcome. Help us now, God, in the areas where we struggle. Help us honor and glorify you. Give us the strength to move and push forward so that we can make your name great here in the city of Denver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.